the sin that is ever so pervasive in our lives. Today's title is Just Say No to Idols. Just Say No to Idols. And in that vein, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're back there. But in that vein, a teacher asked her students what religious objects they had in their homes. One boy answered, we have a picture of a woman with a halo holding a baby, and every day my mother kneels in front of it. The next little boy said, we have a brass statue of a man seated with crossed legs and a Chinese face, and every day my parents burn an incense stick before it. Then a third boy piped up, in the bathroom we have a little platform with numbers on it, and every day my mother stands on it first thing in the morning and screams out to God. <clears throat> We're back in the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, Paul preached the gospel in Corinth in the early 50s. And there was great opposition there, but the Lord said, stay. And so he stayed 18 months teaching them God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 is where we're picking up again today. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to an idol is anything? Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Let's pray. Oh God, it's been a good day. Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, we ask that those that you are sending from the north, the south, the east, and the west, we pray for them, that you would bless them and get them here. Lord, that if they need you or need to come to know you, Lord, you would give us the boldness to say it. Help us to witness for you in all that we do, God. And in this, Lord, help us to examine our lives and our hearts that we may please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's life principle, watch out for idols in your life. Be on guard from your enemy. You know, idol worship, point number one, is detestable before God. Idol worship is detestable before God. 1 Corinthians 10, remember, says, So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. You know, last week we talked about sin and temptation. And Paul had just talked about Israel in the desert and, and how they sinned constantly and their complaining and their immorality. But now Paul talks about idolatry. This is in the same vein as what we had talked about, as what he had just been writing about. 
One of Israel's greatest problems, one of their largest issues before they went into exile was idolatry. They would walk away from the true God and worship idols, and then God would bring judgment, and then they would be good for a while, and and then they would turn right back to their detestable idol worship and practices, such as worshiping, amongst many other gods, a god named Molech or Asherah. The worship of Moloch involved human child sacrifice for a good crop. They would heat a large bronze statue until it was glowing hot, And on the front of the statue were holes that were big enough to fit a baby inside. Then they would lay their baby inside those holes and they would worship Moloch as their child literally cooked to death. And Asherah worship was a great perversion before God. The Jews even gone so far as to syncretize or sync up their religious beliefs with Asherah. They said Asherah was a goddess. And they would pair her with the worship of Elohim, which we know is God. And they would make her out to be God's wife. God condemns this and many other idols in the Scripture. And, you know, that same thing happens today. Maybe not physically with Asherah, but we want to syncretize Christianity with Islam. We want to syncretize Christianity with the New Age. We want to syncretize Christianity with Muslims and Hindus and and Buddha. But that doesn't work. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Period. We are not a religion of inclusion. We are a religion of exclusion. We are exclusively God's children And let us never be anything but. Don't think that as Christians in the modern era that we are excused from the detestable practices of idol worship. An idol is anything that you put first priority in in your life. What has your heart? It is anything that takes the place of God in your being, in your heart. Did you know that even TV can be an idol? And I'm not talking about American Idol though I find that show ridiculous, anything, TV can be an idol. Alcohol can be an idol. Gossip or having the inside track can be an idol. The one that seems to always slip up Christians into this modern era is looking to the past and how great it was. And we make it to be so awesome and we forget about the hardships that were there. But we say, wasn't it great when? That can be an idol. That past where God did a wonderful work in you and your community can be an idol. You get so fixated on on that that you miss the work of God that he's currently doing in you and in the church and, and helping people and loving people and seeing them saved. And when you do that, you stop growing spiritually and then the church starts to decline. Don't put idol worship before a holy God. We serve a jealous God. So what happens when we make communion with our idol, or as I like to say, our holy cow, and then turn and try to worship God? Do you think God enjoys this? Well, no, it's a slap in his face. Shouldn't Christians know better? Yes. Seeing that if a Christian truly belongs to God, he has the Holy Spirit living in him. But do Christians still try to do this? 
Unfortunately, yes, because we still have a sin nature. And even Paul bemoaned his own sinful nature in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble's with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. No, that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still with Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Folks, this war, this sin, is a battle that every Christian will wage the rest of his life, and it won't be the same old, same old sin. It won't be the habitual, old habitual sin, but it will be sin in general. You see, we're constantly convicted of sin. As we get rid of one thing, the Holy Spirit shows us something else that we've got to get rid of. That's called the sanctifying process. I'm not clean, but He's cleaning me up. If what I, if what I just said doesn't make any sense to you, then you've got to question, are you truly saved or not? Because that is the normative Christian life. If you're truly redeemed by the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross or not. The only way for a Christian to lose this battle is to stop fighting and surrender to sin. But you see, the true Christian knows what Proverbs 24, 16 says. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. The true Christian, the absolute true Christian, will never give in to sin and sit in it. Oh, there'll be times of despair. There'll be times when you do sin. There'll be times when, when you, you just you can't take anymore. But truly, the regenerate man cannot stay in that condition. The true Christian perseveres to the end because they are a true Christian. They have been made new in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Romans 6.6 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. 
This is not just hyperbole. It's not a turn of phrase. It's not a way of thinking. It is not self-help. This is the reality of the new man in Christ. We are made new. The things you used to love doing in your sinfulness that didn't bother you then, oh, it annoys the fire out of you now. And when you do sin, it's not just a, oh, twiddly-dee, I did something wrong. I need to repent of that. No, it is a true conviction that burns in your heart that cries out to God and says, God, forgive me for my sin. Not that you did a sin and got caught by God, but you know that sin, no matter how big or small to you, breaks God's heart and that He wants better for you. That sin hurts God's heart, that if you say you love Him and then sin, you know that you have broken something in yourself as well and that you have broken your communion with God and you feel like a hypocrite and you feel awful. Go to the creator of the universe and tell him, Lord, I messed up again. Please forgive me. Words do not exist to convey the deepness of sorrow that a Christian feels over their own sin. It's beyond words. The sorrow, the angst that's inside of you when you sin as a Christian. But we can stop there and just wallow in our despair. But it's also beyond words. The forgiveness and the love that when you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. And forgiveness, repentance, love, and sanctification that comes when you confess your sins to God. 1 John 2 one says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Looking back at our main scripture here, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. It reads, When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And, and when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. When it comes to idol worship for the Christian, it just shouldn't exist, it shouldn't be. For we are united with Christ. And the Holy Communion is the physical act that reminds us that we are one with Christ, that we are God's new creation. And that's why the communion has a warning with it. It is spiritual. Yes, it is physical, but it is spiritual. And as such, we're given a warning. 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. You know, speaking of idols, as a Christian, I'm, I'm just going to tell y'all, I'm very offended. I can't believe they're Billy Idol cover bands. The Bible is very clear that, that we should not have false idols. Y'all will get that on the way home. 
Billy Idol, false idols, cover band, never mind. When I got to explain it, it don't work, does it? Yeah. Everybody's just digesting breakfast. Point two, don't worship demons. You know, and, and well, we'll just start with the scripture. First Corinthians 10, 18 says, think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifice at the altar? What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What, do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You would think that this, this, this didn't need to be said. You would think this is a no-brainer. But there are a few things here that we need to answer. One, didn't Paul say he could eat meat sacrificed to idols? Yes, he did. Good catch. And we discussed that on Wednesday, too. You see, he wasn't the one doing the sacrifice, so he could eat the food. It is one thing to eat dinner and another thing to participate in the worship of idols. No Christian should worship at the altar of demons, period. Pastor, are you telling me demons are real? Yes, yes I am. They're the ones behind many false religions, even to this day. I will not participate in Hindu worship, Buddha worship, Mormon temple worship. These are all examples of false religions. I believe all false religions are backed by the demonic to trap people in them, so they will not turn to Christ. They will give you false signs and false miracles and wonders to keep you there. And before you ask, no, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and Catholics are not Christian. Catholics add works to salvation and worship idols that they call saints. Mormons add the Book of Mormon to the scriptures and deny the Trinity. They believe in many gods and that Elohim is just the one God of this world and that Jesus was conceived between himself and his goddess wife. They also say that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is a created being. He is not. They say that he is actually Michael, the archangel, or some such nonsense. Now this denies Christ's deity, which denies the Trinity, making them a false religion. And besides these, besides these false religions, where else does worshiping demons come into play? Through idols that come into my life and your life. Property, goods, money, credit, people. You think that is always just the flesh? Maybe it is for you. Maybe it's not. You think the devil doesn't know you wanted that boat all your life and the deal you got of a lifetime just happened by chance? You think he doesn't know that the thing would become your idol? Do you think he wouldn't make that happen so that you would stop talking about, I don't know, Jesus? Now you're talking about your boat and worshiping, in the, worshiping it in the water instead of coming to the church. This is just an example. It could be any idol that comes into our lives. We Christians worship a jealous God, and we have forgotten that. He will not share his worship with anyone or anything, period. 
goes all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5. It says, you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. And even in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12.25 says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. God is jealous. Our enemy is always looking for ways to silence us. Always looking for ways to sidetrack us. Always looking for ways that we won't talk about Jesus. We won't get close to Jesus. We won't worship. We won't help others come to know Jesus. He will put things in our past to tempt us, to give ourselves to them so that, so that we stop worshiping God and start worshiping the created thing or thing. But our enemy is not a physical enemy, but he is a spiritual one. We must be on guard at all times and ready to make our stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we, not, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Lastly, to the Christian, we're told that two things cannot hold the place of number one in your life. God will not stand for it. In our main scripture, Look at verse 21, it says, You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than He is? So this morning, if you remember nothing, remember, don't let anything become an idol in your life. And be on guard, for your enemy is right around. Scripture says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be careful. And folks, this message means absolutely nothing to you if you don't know Jesus Christ. Because the ladies come and sing. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that when you leave this place or end this video or end this audio recording, that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That if he were to come now and he split the eastern sky and with a trumpet, he come to redeem 
and take us away that are Christians, that you'd be one going with him. That if you died today, you would wake up in heaven. If not, you need to be sure. And the only way to do that is to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You could say a prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I know that my sin separates me from you. I know that I need you and I'm a sinner. I give you my life and I give you my heart. Or you could just say, Jesus, help! Because it's not the words of your mouth, but the intent of your heart. And Christian, to the Christian in the room and the Christian listening, let me ask you a question. Has anything made itself an idol in your life? You know, I hear all the time pastors that, that say, oh, I can't wait to retire. Retire from what? God called you to ministry. He didn't say take retirement. He said work for me. I've seen many a Christian tell me, I can't wait for retirement so I can work at, at the church or so I can go to this ministry or so I can go preach on the, on the street or so I can hand out tracts or so I can do these other things. They have a love for the Lord. And then there's the person who sits in the pew who says, I can't wait to retire so I can sit in my easy boy and do nothing but watch TV. Oh, so you're uh, worshiping at the idol of the TV, are we? How about you today? Is there something in your life that's taking the place of Christ? You need to repent of it, ask God to forgive you, and come to know Him as your personal Lord and Savior again. Renew yourself to the joy of the Lord. If you'd like special prayer, I'm up here for that. If you'd like to join the church by letter, by statement, or baptism, we can do that too. We just had two join the church. Praise the Lord. So any of that during this time. Miss Joe.